Go ahead and turn your Bible to Luke chapter five. We're journeying through the entire New Testament and we're we're just devoting 20 to 30 minutes every morning to the reading of the word. Um, sometimes we do it with prayer. Sometimes we do it through what we call a read and rant. The read and rant uh, is our commitment to read through the entire scripture, through the entire scripture in bite-sized pieces. And so we are in Luke now. We started in Matthew, and now we're in Luke now. We actually started in Genesis. We went through the entire Old Testament, and now we're in the book of Luke. And so today we're going to be reading through Luke chapter 5. I'm look, looking forward to this time together. This is not a Bible study. This is a Bible reading. And it's really for me to allow you an opportunity to journey with me uh, through the text and I'm essentially just reading through the text, and we're just going to share whatever thoughts the Lord uh, imposes upon us as we spend time in His Word. Um, and so we're going to pray. We're going to pray. We're going to get going. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for the privilege that you've given us to come together to read your Word, Lord God. Lord, I pray today. Lord, as we spend time in your Word, Lord, I pray that we will be uh, moved, motivated. I pray that we would be inspired, Lord, to be who you've called us to be and to do what you've called us to do. Bless us, Lord, today. Bless us in all our activities. Lord, let this word inspire us today. And we say that in Jesus' name, amen. Let's read together. Let's journey through the text. We're in Luke chapter five. Let's go. It says this. So it was. As the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God, that he stood by the lake Gennesaret and saw two boats standing by the lake, and the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. And he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. When he stopped speaking, he said to Simon, Launch out into the deep and let your nets, let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when he had done this, they caught a great number of fish and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boats to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish, which they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. So when they had brought their boats to the land, they forsook all and followed him. And it happened when he was in a certain city that behold, a man who was full of leprosy saw Jesus and he fell on his face and implored him saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Then he put out his hand and touched him saying, I'm willing, be cleansed. Immediately the leprosy left him. And he charged him to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priests and make an offering for your cleansing as a testimony to them, just as Moses commanded. However, the report went around concerning him all the more, 
and great multitudes came together to hear and be healed by him of their infirmities. So he himself often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. Verse 17. Now it happened on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by who had come out of every town of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Then behold, men brought on a bed a man who was paralyzed, whom they sought to bring in and lay before him. And when they could not find how they might bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the housetop and let him down with his bed through the towing into the midst before Jesus. When he saw their faith, he said to him, man, your sins are forgiven you. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason saying, who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered and said to them, why are you reasoning in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, rise up and walk? And that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, arise, take up your bed and go to your house. Immediately, he rose up before them, took up what he had been lying on, and departed to his own house, glorifying God. And they were all amazed, and they glorified God and were filled with fear, saying, We have seen strange things today. We have seen strange things today. Verse 27. After these things, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at a tax office. And he said to him, follow me. So he left all, rose up and followed him. Then Levi gave him a great feast in his own house. And there were a great number of tax collectors and others who sat down with them and their scribes and the Pharisees complained against the disciples saying, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered and said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but to call sinners to repentance. And they said to him, why do the disciples of John fast often and make prayers and likewise those of the Pharisees, but yours eat and drink? And he said to them, can you make the friends of the bridegroom fast while the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them. Then they will fast in those days. Then he spoke a parable to them. No one puts a piece from a new garment on an old one. Otherwise, the new makes a tear and it also, sorry, and also the piece that was taken out of the new does not match the old. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins, else the new wine will burst the wineskins and be spilled and the new wineskins, sorry, and the wineskins will be ruined. But new wine must be put into new wineskins and both are preserved. And no one, having drunk old wine immediately, desires new, for he says the old is better. (laughs) Chapter 6. Now it happened on the second Sabbath, after the first, 
that he went through the grain fields, and his disciples plucked the heads of grain and ate them, rubbing them in their hands. And some of the Pharisees said to them, Why are you doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath? But Jesus answering them said this, Have you not even read this, what David did when he was hungry? He and those who were with him, how he went into the house of God, took and ate the showbread, and also gave some of some to those with him, which is not lawful for any but the priest to eat. And he said to them, the son of man is also the Lord of the Sabbath. Now it happened on another Sabbath also that he entered the synagogue and taught. And a man was there whose right hand was withered. So the scribes and Pharisees watched him closely, whether he would heal on the Sabbath, that they might find accusation against him. But he knew their thoughts. And he said to the man who had the withered hand, Arise and stand here. And he arose and stood. Then Jesus said to them, I will ask you one thing. Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil, to save a life or to destroy? And when he had looked around at all of them, he said to the man, Stretch out your hand. And he did so. And his hand was restored as whole as the other, and they were filled with rage and discussed with one another what they might do to Jesus. Now it came to pass in those days that he went out to the mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. And when it was day, he called his disciples to himself. And from them, he chose 12, whom he also named apostles, Simon, whom he also named Peter and Andrew, his brother, James and John, Philip and Bartholomew, Matthew and Thomas, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon called the Zealot, Judas, the son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who also became a traitor. He came down with them and stood on a level place with a crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all Judea and Jerusalem and from the sea coast of Tyre and Sidon, who came to hear him and be healed of their diseases, as well as those who were tormented with unclean spirits, and they were healed. And the whole multitude sought to touch him, for power went out from him and healed them all. Then he lifted up his eyes toward his disciples and said, Blessed are you, poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you shall be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. Blessed are you when men hate you, and when they exclude you and revile you and cast you out for, 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 sorry, and revile you and cast out your name as evil for the Son of Man's sake. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy. For indeed, your reward is great in heaven. For in like manner, their fathers did to the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full, for you shall hunger. Woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. Woe to you when all men speak well of you, for so did their fathers to the false prophets. But I say to you, love your enemies, 
Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Hmm. <clears throat> to him who strikes you on one cheek, offer the other also. And from him who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who asks you. And from him who takes away your goods, do not ask them back. And just as you want men to do to you, you also do to them likewise. But if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those with whom you hope to receive back, what credit is that to you? For even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much back. But love your enemies. Do good and lend, hoping for nothing in return. And your reward will be great. And you will be sons of the Most High. For he is kind to the unthankful and evil. Therefore be merciful, just as your Father is also merciful. <laughs> Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. And he spoke a parable to them. Can the blind lead the blind? Will they not both fall into a ditch? A disciple is not above his teacher. But everyone who is perfectly trained will be like his teacher. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not perceive the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, brother, let me remove the speck that is in your eye when you yourself do not see the plank that is in your own eye? Hypocrite, first remove the plank from your own eye. Then you will clearly see to remove the speck that is in your brother's eye. For a good tree does not bear bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. For every tree is known by its fruit. For men do not gather figs from thorns, nor do they gather grapes from a bramble bush. A good man, out of a good treasure of his heart, brings good. Sorry, brings forth good. An evil man, out of the treasure of his heart, brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Verse 46, but why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things which I say? Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I will show you whom he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently against the house and could not shake it, for it was founded on the rock. But he who heard and did nothing is like a man who built a house on the earth without a foundation, against which the stream beat vehemently, 
and immediately it felled. And the ruin of that house was great. And we're going to stop right there. <clears throat> so glad to have you all. So glad you guys are all here. I love the fact that I've got my TikTok fam here today. Good to see you, TikTok fam. Good to see all of y'all. So good to see my IG fam. Good to see all of you. Glad you're all here. And of course, I got my, my ride or dies, my Discord fam who are all here. And it's great to see you guys here. I'm glad that you guys are, are gathering with us. If you aren't on Discord, I encourage you, join our Discord fam, okay? Join our Discord fam, discord.gg slash Opus Frere. And if you are on IG, I encourage you to do that as well. Some of you may be watching this later, right? Um, and some of you may be watching this right after this or listening to this right after this on Patreon. This ministry has been a blessing as well. Join our Patreon. All the, the link is all in the bio. So I don't want to belabor the time with that. But I love having you guys come and join us and be a part of what we're doing and this is also like, this is available on Discord every day. We're here every day on Discord. So please, I know I'm here every now and then on IG and TikTok, but I'm here every day on Discord. So please come and join us there. All that is to say, as we're journeying through the text, you've heard me say this over and over again. <clears throat> the ministry of Jesus is really one of the proclamation and the demonstration of the kingdom of God. Let me say that one more time. The ministry of Jesus on earth was the proclamation and the demonstration of the kingdom of God. The only thing I've, I've done is, is I've tried to reorient your thinking about the gospel. Because I think a lot of people, when they talk about what the gospel is, is they talk about the gospel as something, uh, as the Bible, sorry. They, they, they talk about the gospel as, as, well, if somebody is preaching the Bible to me, then they're preaching the gospel. No, that isn't true. I'm going to tell you a couple of reasons why that isn't true. That isn't true because how could the early church have preached the gospel when they didn't have the Bible for over two centuries? So it couldn't be that preaching the Bible is preaching the gospel because they didn't have the Bible. They didn't have the scripture. They, don't, they didn't have what we have today. They didn't have the privilege of having this nicely codified organization of books and letters put together. Okay, this was put together centuries later. It's the first thing. <clears throat> so if and if the gospel was preaching the Bible, of course, Jesus, who being the word himself, there wasn't even a full completion of what we know now as the Bible. The book of Ephesians, the book of Galatians, right? none of those were there when Jesus was there. So how could Jesus preach the gospel if he's not preaching the whole Bible? <laughs> and so we have to think of the gospel way outside of what we believe the Bible, that, that it's the Bible. The Bible is not the gospel. And yet the Bible gives us the whole story of the gospel. The Bible articulates the gospel to us in a very, a broad and holistic way to know the gospel would start from Genesis and then you'd read it all the way to the end revelation. And you would know the gospel through that, but please don't think that somebody who preaches the Bible to you is preaching the gospel. 
And also, whatever they've told you that the Bible or the gospel is, most likely isn't. I find that a lot of Christians today, they don't know the gospel. What they know is, is a part of the gospel. You know, Jesus Christ died for your sins. And because he died for your sins, his shedding, the shedding of his blood is a propitiation of your sins. All of these things are true. They're all true. Um, and that those who believe in him are justified. Justification by faith. That is true as well. If you believe in him, that you are justified. We're justified by faith, not by works. Justified by faith, not by works. But here's what's interesting to me. <clears throat> and it's a little side note here. Is while there are some who say, well, I've got a more accurate understanding of the Bible or our church preaches the gospel. This thing is particular. I find this particularly interesting for me is I've walked into different kinds of churches. I've walked into churches where, you know, one church will say that this church is preaching heresy. They'll say they're preaching heresy, prosperity gospel, all the other gospels. They'll say they're preaching all these other gospels. Or this church believes in this, and this church believes in that. I love how even um, I remember going to a a uh, Southern Baptist church, and um, someone was referring to a church down the street and said, "Oh, they don't preach the gospel there; they preach prosperity." And I wasn't going to justify or judge what they had to say, but there's always this timbre and this tone from folks who go to, say, a church that is reformed in its theology and they'll say, well, because we have a reformed theology, we're preaching the true Bible and we're preaching the true gospel. I love reformed theology. It gives you a discipline of understanding the doctrines of grace. I love reformed theology. But here's the thing, right? Here's the thing. Is that even in those churches, and this is going to be tough that I say it like this, but I got to say it, that even in those churches, I am flabbergasted by how untransformed <laughs> these folks are by the true gospel and the most accurate teaching of Scripture. I'm blown away by how untransformed they are. I go, wait, hold on a second. Because I can tell you right now, it it was it was actually a reform. I walked into a reformed church. And it was at a reformed church that I heard the gospel. And it blew my mind. Changed everything for me. When I heard the gospel articulate, it changed everything, changed every, I was blown away, blown away by it. And I, and I can tell you, there's something so profoundly inspiring when the gospel is taught to you with accuracy, with boldness, it is a powerful and it's a beautiful thing. It is a beautiful thing. But let me back up for a second, because if you have been in reform circles for long enough, and I've been in all the circles. You know, I, I always say I'm more of a bridge than I am on an island. I, 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 I go into all the different circles and I tap into all of that. And I, and so I've grown and, you know, I've not grown up in one of them, but I've, my faith has grown in a reform context, but I'm so blown away 
by the people who are there and have yet to be transformed by it. They preach it, but they're not transformed by it. It's good teaching, but they aren't transformed by it. And it's being, it's being articulated every week, but they aren't transformed by it. They have it in their head, but it hasn't taken root in their heart. And I, I would be so confused by that because I can understand when a church isn't preaching the gospel, why a church like that wouldn't be transformed or why a church like that would be motivated and moved by the winds of culture, why a church like that would be more, you know, uh, has its own sort of cultural and social agendas. I can understand why churches can be like that and why people there can be just as carnal as anyone else. But even in the reform world, I find this to be true. And one of the things that I've learned is, is that a lot of folks have head knowledge but have not been transformed by it because the gospel is more than information. And if we're just informed by the message of the gospel, then we have yet to be transformed by the power of the gospel. One of the things that's missing <clears throat> One of the things that's missing is, I'm sorry, I was distracted. I see, I see there's a whole conversation going on right now on, um, on my Discord, because y'all lit on Discord right now. <clears throat> one of the things that's missing is that we preach the gospel from just one lens and from one angle, but we don't preach the full gospel. Because if the gospel is... <clears throat> Was off the top, Jesus died for my sins and my faith in him <clears throat> um, allows me to cash in on the propitiation of his blood. That's great. Saved by grace through faith. All good. These are all parts of the full message of the gospel. But Jesus preached the gospel. And if it required Jesus' shedding of his blood for the gospel to be preached, then there's no way that Jesus could have preached the gospel before his death and his resurrection. <clears throat> Remember, I challenged you guys. I was challenging my folks on Discord on this. And I'm going to continue to challenge because I'm unpacking things because there is still some religion even in, quote-unquote, the pure gospel teaching and preaching reformed circles, is we miss that the message of the gospel is a message of the kingdom. The gospel is the good news of the kingdom. The gospel is the good news that the king is here. The king is here. That's right, Josh. We have a new king. <laughs> we have the king. And it's about his kingdom. That's the gospel. 
And, and, and how does that change things? It changes things because we, by the sacrifice of his blood, have been given access as co-heirs of the kingdom. This is the royal priesthood. This is the royal family that we're in. Is now we are part of this kingdom. We get to partake in this kingdom. What does that kingdom look like? Doesn't look like the kingdoms people talk to you about. Doesn't look like politics. It doesn't look like conservatism versus liberalism. It doesn't look like communism or fascism. It doesn't look like the governments that we we, we, we like to impose and say that, no, Christ is above all of that. But Jesus is preaching about a kingdom, and this kingdom is not just physical. This kingdom is spiritual. It is a spiritual reality and a physical reality. And where Jesus comes, he announces and pronounces the kingdom. Everywhere Jesus goes, we see how the kingdom is being manifest. Jesus is bringing the kingdom, the presence of God on earth. He says in this prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done. If there's any gospel that we're preaching is the gospel of the kingdom. And the kingdom is one that rules in each and every one of our hearts. We all ought to submit to that kingdom. Every one of us ought to submit to this kingdom. It is a way to live, but it's more than just a way to live. I love that you say that because with every kingdom, there's a culture. Yes, with every, with every culture, there are values, there's perspective. I love that. All of that is true. And the question that I ask is what really motivates us? What really drives us? Like, what's the purpose of our lives? Because religion is a kingdom that is not the kingdom. <laughs> religion is just other forms of kingdom. You can call it spirituality, you can, but it's just another kingdom. It's got its own organization and its own rulers and its own prophets and its own people that you celebrate and you elevate and all of that. Oh, yeah, there's more to Christianity. I love how you say that. There's more to Christianity than American conservatism. Matter of fact, you know, the, I'm not going to get that right right now. Okay, the, the American brand of Christianity ain't it. <laughs> there's so much you could learn if you leave your little hole, right? If we would leave our little holes, there's so much more that we could learn. Because the American brand of Christianity ain't it. But it's being dismantled. Wow, I'm ranting today, but I'm going to get to my point. I'm going to get to my point. But it's being dismantled even now. He'll say, well, the church is declining. I beg to differ. The church ain't declining. The church is realigning. The church ain't, it's not declining. For a while, the church has been dead. It just looked like the church. 
But the church has been masquerading as politics. I love that. I've seen that tweet. <laughs> if Paul saw the church in America, we'd be getting a letter. <laughs> it would be, I don't know what do you call them, the letter, the letter to the Americans. <laughs> we would be getting a letter. We'd probably get like a five-part series, and it would not be a good letter. Okay, we can talk about Paul's letter to the Corinthians. We could talk, we'd be getting all kinds of letters. Paul would be hot. Oh, snap. I'm, I'm, Paul would be hot. Paul would be shut it, shut all this down. <laughs> It'd be straight fire. Okay, he would he would get one of the disciples, and he, Paul, even if Paul was in prison, he'd be like, yo, take this to them right now. Nowadays, we'd be getting an email. That's what it would be. It would just be an email. And the letter to the Americans. Okay? The letter to the Americans. Paul would be T.O.'d. <laughs> because the American brand of Christianity is not it. And so when we see the American brand of Christianity tearing down and we see it decom you know deconstructing and de in some ways decomposing <laughs> when we see that happening so he's oh my gosh the church is in crisis the church in america is in crisis fam the church has been in crisis for a long minute it's been church inc for a long minute It's been church incorporated for a long minute. It's been just 501c3 for a long minute. We just throw a little Bible on it for a long minute. It's been that way for a minute. P.S. P.P.S. P.P.P.S. P.P.P.P.P.S. Paul's going to be like, all right, listen, letter number six. All day, all day. So when we see it, I wouldn't say the church is in decline. Actually, I see a rebirth. I see a resurrection. I see us going back to the basics. And of course, the Pharisees are going to have a problem with that. Right. Of course, the Pharisees are going to have a problem with that. You didn't just see how they were snapping on the folks in the Asbury Revival. They ain't even been there. I haven't been there. So I can't judge. I can't determine what's going on there. But I just find it so interesting how the religious are quick to criticize something as simple as a people, a group of, of young folks who have been moved by the Holy Spirit and won't cease to Stop praying and worshiping. Oh, what gospel are they preaching? What doctrine are they preaching? What this, what that? Fam, are you, have you even been there? Quiet your mouth. Slow it down. Relax. Every time God is moving somehow, it's got to be some type of so, you know, it's got to be something that isn't of God. Fam, do you not notice that your churches have been dead for a long time?
I'm sorry. I don't want to get upset. I'm going to calm down. I'm going to calm down. So rather than criticizing, let's not criticize what is, and quite frankly, can be a move of God. I'm not here to judge it. I'm not here to support it because I haven't been there. But man, am I encouraged by it? Because what it looks like is revival. And maybe what we're beginning to see is we're beginning to see people who say, we're tired of the establishment. And it's time to just get back to the simplicity of the kingdom, the message of the kingdom of God. Jesus did not come with pomp and splendor. Jesus did not come with an army. Jesus did not come with the kind of government that we all, you know, that, that, you know, we would presuppose if someone's going to come in and infiltrate and take over and be the new king, he must be coming with fire. No, you know what he came with? Love. He came with love. He came with grace. The scriptures tell us that he dwelt among us and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten, as of the only begotten, full of grace and truth. He showed up in the most humble circumstances. Oh, but we're too busy arguing about stuff that don't matter. We're too busy arguing over doctrines. We're too busy arguing over this thing, over these things, not realizing that our churches have been dying for a long time. I don't care what denomination you're in. I had a guy, sorry, I'm really, I'm full blown around here. I'm, I'm going to get to my final point. How much time I got? I got 10 minutes. Okay. How much time I got? I had a pastor <clears throat> of a prominent church, one of the largest churches in America. I had lunch with him and he's a good brother. Love him. Great friend. Um, you know, he said to me, and he's got, mind you, one of the largest churches in America, probably top five. <clears throat> now nah, I just, I'm sorry if I put you out. Now nah, I was like, oh, I can, you know, narrow it down. One of the top churches. I'm not going to say top five. <laughs> but one of the largest churches in America. And we were having lunch. And he says to me something that always stuck with me. He said, Isaac. He said, we're the biggest player on the team. If the church were a team, the capital C church in America, if it were a team, we're, the, we're one of the best players on the team. He said, we're the, we're the biggest church within a couple hundred miles, maybe thousand. We were the largest churches in America. People would say that this church is winning. We would be one of the biggest players. We'd be the biggest player, if not one of the biggest players on the team. And I'm listening. I'm like, okay, I, I want to see where he's going with this. Where, where's he going with this? He says, but Isaac, what's the point of being the biggest and best player on a losing team? I'm like, okay. Hey, what's the point? He said, it doesn't matter what your church is, non-denominational, denominational, 
um, you know, Presbyterian, Pentecostal, Baptist, Southern Baptist, missionary Baptist, even the Baptist people can't come into agreement with each other. There's all kinds of Baptists, be it because of racism or be it because of cultural differences, be it because of doctrinal differences. Even the Baptists can't agree. One says they're more, there's the full gospel. Oh, Lord Jesus, there's full gospel because somehow there's part gospel and there's all these other denominations and even the Presbyterians can't agree, y'all. There's PCA, PCUSA, there's Foursquare, there's all the there's all these denominations. I sit there and I look, I'm like, dang, we can't even have one Presbyterian denomination. There's like six of them. <laughs> because we can't agree. And I'm looking at all these denominations, and he says, look at all the denominations, look at all the churches, and all, look at all of them. We're all losing. We're all losing. Oh my gosh. And he says, what's the point of being the best player on the losing team? Man, he had me ready to like jump out the table and start twirling. And I was like, oh, snap. Oh, snap. Get me an organ. I was ready. To, bro, I was ready to go. The time has come when we've got to stop. We got to get we got to get past all these complexities. At the end of the day, they're stupid. Paul wrote a whole letter about this. He opened up his letter about the sin of sectarianism and yet that's what we commit today on the regular in the church. We're bickering and arguing with each other and we're getting nowhere because our gospel is doctrine. Our gospel is not about the kingdom. Finally getting to my point. The gospel is about the kingdom and about your doctrines. And about, well, my doctrine is more accurate than their doctrine. Paul was so unperturbed and unconcerned about those things. If you listen to Paul, Paul's focus was on the purity of the gospel and the unity of the saints. Purity of the gospel, unity of the saints. He's like the other stuff that we disagree on. Paul had folks he disagreed on, disagreed with on the regular, but the kingdom was more important. The kingdom was more important. And the kingdom is the reason why I hang with my Presbyterian brothers because I love them. And the kingdom is the reason why I hang with my Pentecostal brothers. Everybody, it's funny because so many people, and I'm, maybe I should do a TikTok about it sometime. So many folks are trying to figure out what tribe I'm a part of. What denomination? Is he Calvinist? Is he Arminian? Where is he at? We're trying to figure out what, what, what group does he roll with? You know, who does he theologically roll with? Damn, come on, bro. Are we still doing this? Are we still doing this? I had a, I had a pastor who said to me, he wasn't sure with where I was, which is why he hesitated to have a relationship with me because he didn't know where I stood theologically. And I'm going, 
fam, really? Like, when I, when I look at a brother or sister in Christ, where you are theologically is, it's, it's, it's down the line. <laughs> it's, it's really, I mean, there's a, there's a good 20 other things I got to check off first. Oh, but you want good theology. Forget character. Forget Christ-likeness. Forget living a Christ-like life. Forget living in purity and holiness. Forget all those things. Forget the character. Forget whether forget whether or not he's a good husband or not. Or, or forget whether or not he's a good father. Forget any of that. Where's your theology? And then we get shocked when we see guys who, well, they preach good theology, so I'm going to follow them. Bro, have you not seen some of the greatest theologians and the greatest theological teachers were the ones who had some of the worst characters, and yet we want to follow their example. And so we're busy looking at everybody else's specs. But we got a massive plank in our eyes. We're sitting there trying to get people, you know, we tr we try with the gotcha questions. Oh, no, he don't know his Bible that well. Fam, what were the qualifications of an elder in the text? They were more about character than anything else. Who are we? What is our character? What do we embody? What do we represent, fam? I'm telling you right now, if Paul showed up, Paul would have a multi-volume letter for sure for the American church. I can't help but see Jesus in our reading today. I can't help but see Jesus from chapter five all the way to, to chapter six. I can't help but see Jesus coming in and doing the work that he's doing, proclaiming and manifesting the kingdom of God. I can't help but see it in today's context and realize the American church would hate Jesus. I can't help, I can't help, but like, I can't, I'm having a hard time. G give me like, give me like 10 more minutes, fam. I'm sorry. Cause this is, uh, this is some, this is some that's working in me. It's working in me y'all. So please st stick with me here. It's working in me, but I can't, I I'm so, ugh, about this. That this is the state of our church today. That if Jesus showed up to our churches, Today, the church would have a problem with it. The church would have a problem with it. They'd see Jesus pulling out a net, uh, sorry, uh, 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 a tent somewhere and just preaching the kingdom and they would be, they would be questioning him. What is he doing? What's, what's he doing? What, 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 what's his agenda? What's his theology? 
What what what, what seminary did he go to? <laughs> they would see people who are being transformed. Literally, Simon Peter in in, in this moment is being transformed. And then we'd have our skeptical glasses on. Whoa. Mm -mm. He on some weird stuff. Yo, he, he, Jesus is on some weird stuff. We, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta be careful with Jesus, man. Like he's on some weird stuff. We would see Jesus going around cleansing lepers. It would be like, nah, he on some, he on some weird fake stuff right now. That's right. Jesus is on some, mm -mm, he on some, we, we gotta, we gotta just think about where the American church is today. And I'm sorry, I'm going to stop saying the American church. Let me back it up. The Western church. They would, the Western church. And the reason why I say that is because the Western church is occupying the Caribbean. The Western church is now trying to infiltrate the East. The Western church is trying to infiltrate. It's infiltrating. There's a colonized Christianity now where the missionaries go to these other lands and they bring on their uh, white evangelical colonized Christianity over there and try to superimpose it. They try to bring their conservative Republican theology over there. So I can't, I'm, let me stop saying American Christianity because American Christianity has infiltrated <clears throat> I'm sorry, y'all. I'm sorry. I'm I'm a little too lit. <laughs> this is what happens when I don't I don't get my coffee in the morning. Jesus, I need some water. <laughs> I need some water. But I'm I'm frustrated, fam. I, I'm I'm reading this and like this as I'm reading it, I have all this. Oh, this tension that's brewing up in me to go, my goodness, this is what we do. We're doing this now. We see the ministry of Jesus and we see what Jesus is doing and we see that everything he does is being questioned. He's being questioned about this. He's being questioned about that. He's being questioned about the law. He's being questioned about all. And so, of course, it's crazy to me. Just think about it for a second, how crazy it is. I'm sorry, I'm just, I'm just putting you in a, I'm, I'm just, I'm just trying to put you in my mind right now. Okay. This ain't no Bible study. I'm just sharing my heart right now. It's crazy to me how you got folks who see a man who is sick and they see Jesus approaching the man and they're looking to see whether or not Jesus would heal on the Sabbath. Ooh, let me see if Jesus is going to break this law. Ooh, let me see if Jesus is going to break this rule. Yeah, let me see. Let me see. Let me see what Jesus is about to do. Because mm. mm, if, if he goes and he heals, forget that there's someone who's sick. Forget that there are people who are hungry. Forget that there are people who are lost. Forget that there are people who are on the at the end of it all. Forget all that. I just got to make sure his approach is right. 
So they're not even focused on the person who's actually ailing. They're just concerned about how they're going to get Jesus. Because they don't like what he's doing to the establishment. The kingdom of God is disturbing the kingdom of man. And of course, soon as he heals the man with the withered hand, got him, mm, got him. And Jesus says, I will ask you one thing. Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil, to save a life or to destroy? They would have a problem with Jesus today. Oh my goodness, is Jesus, is Jesus is Jesus hanging out with, with the sinners? Is he, is he hanging out with the, the tax collectors and the prostitutes? What kind, of, what kind of weird prophet is that? We got churches today that would prefer homeless people not show up to their church. We have churches today that would prefer that people who are of the LGBTQ community, that they would not come to their church. We have churches today. We have churches today where they would have a problem with certain people showing up to their church. No, we're just a family church and we want to be nice and polished and, and you know, we want to, that's the kind of church you want to be fam. I want a church where people have to ask what the heck is going on in here? I, I want, I want to pastor a church where people go, are these people Christians? <laughs> like, I want to turn people look, they go, I don't even know. Is this, is this even, this is weird. Like there's some, there's some weird things happening here. I want a church that the Pharisees go, nah, bro, that ain't a church. In today's age, it would be, Bro, is Jesus is Jesus at the bar with this trainee? Drinking drinking a, a a juice while she's sipping on or he's sipping on her liquor. Is that is that is that is that Jesus? That's what is, is Jesus? Is Jesus talking to the the big tax fraud criminal? Is like is he, is Jesus like chilling? What, what the heck is going on over there? It's just, it's just, I'm sorry, y'all. I don't know why I'm so lit today, but this thing got me so fired up. I'm, I'm so, I'm so frustrated with who we are as a church now is we want clean, buttoned up, all together people. We wouldn't invite the disciples of Jesus Christ to our churches now. We wouldn't invite we wouldn't we wouldn't invite Jesus to our churches now. <clears throat> and I see what Jesus teaches, and man, it gets people hot. When I see the woes, I see the Western Church. Woe to those who are rich, 
for you have received. You have received your consolation because you trust in your riches. Woe to those of you who are full. The day will come when you shall hunger. Woe to those who laugh now. So we're just having a good time. And we're doing our own little church thing. And anybody who comes on board and can line up with us, yeah, you can come in. But where's the church that actually stepped in? Where's the church that did things backwards? Where's the upside down kingdom? And I'm going to use this term. Maybe that's what I'll call my book. I feel like this is where the Lord is finally like, this is like, you need to write the book. You need to write the book. You need to write the book. But I just feel like we missed it. Like we need to write this. This book needs to be written. This is the kingdom. It's upside down. It's not the kingdom that you are familiar with. It's an unfamiliar kingdom. And I feel like everybody's missed it. And so when we talk about the gospel, we leave the gospel with Jesus died for my sins and my faith in him gives me access into heaven. And God's like, no, I'm trying to bring heaven through you. And so we miss it. Because now Jesus and his blood is just a ticket to heaven. Some of you don't even believe in the ticket. You simply are still working for it. <laughs> do we do this, church? Do we love our enemies? Like, do we really love our enemies? Huh? Do we, do we really love? Uh, do do we really love those who hate us? Like, do we do we do we bless those who curse us? Do we really do that? Like, let's just think about that for a second. Do we really do that? This is what the this is what the the kingdom looks like. Do we do we really like do we turn the other cheek? I know people say, well, you know, I, if somebody punches me, I'm gonna punch him back. I I will definitely defend myself. That's not what he's speaking about here. What's your posture? And I love that you say that. Do we just tolerate them? Because some people go, well, I'm I'm at the point where I tolerate them. No, that Jesus doesn't say tolerate your enemies. He said, love your enemies. Jesus didn't say, you know, I mean, just deal with them. No, he said, love them. Do we lend money waiting to get it back? Like he's literally saying, if you're going to lend money, lend it without expecting it back. Oh, no, I, no that ain't me. I'm not going to do that. This is what Jesus does. And you know what he says? He says, he, he says, ready for this? And I'm done. After this, I'm done. We'll rant on, on Friday. He says, sinners do this. Every other kingdom does the opposite. Every other kingdom will love people who love them. Every other kingdom does that. Every other kingdom, you know, they do the opposite. Every other kingdom will <clears throat> bless those who bless them. Partnerships, alliances, collaborations, cliques. Every other kingdom does that. My kingdom does, does more than that. My kingdom loves the ones who hate me. 
This is the kingdom that sits above all kingdoms. This is the kingdom that will prevail. This is the kingdom that Jesus proclaims. So today, let's be merciful as the Father is merciful. Let's be merciful as the Father is merciful. Last thing. Notice what he says. Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given unto you. We only use this for money. <laughs> you know, we, it's, it's, part, it's, it's always in the preaching, it's always in the giving part of the service where they say, give and it will be given unto you. In, in good measure, press down, shaken together. Running over. And then you got the organ going just to make sure people get riled up to give money. <laughs> right? While that may be true, that's not what he's talking about here. He's speaking about love. How do we treat people? Do we treat them as though we would, in the same way that we would want to be treated? Do we, do we love people in the way that we'd want to be loved? And God says, because you know Jesus is God, just in case you didn't know. God says this, that if you judge, you will be judged accordingly. If you condemn people, you will be condemned accordingly. If you forgive, you will be forgiven. Whatever you give, that's what you will receive. Oh yeah, he says that. What a man sows, he will reap. So maybe the reason why you're having a hard time receiving forgiveness from your heavenly father is because you have not forgiven someone because you believe whatever they did was unforgivable. And maybe the reason why you feel the judgment of the world on you is probably because in your heart, you're a judgmental person. And maybe the reason why you have this huge weight of condemnation on you is because you have imposed condemnation on other people. So if you want to be free and live by the kingdom, then you have to forgive in the way that you've been forgiven. You have to judge in the way that you want to be judged. Because if you give, whatever you give will be given to you. Press down, shaken together, running over. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, as you brought us here today. Lord, I pray Lord, that we'd be moved by this today. Father, let us be moved. Father, there's so much, Lord, that we can be convicted of in our time today in reading your word. But Father, I just pray today, Lord, that we would Lord, reorient our hearts to yours, to be led by your spirit, to live as you lived, 
Father, give us by your spirit the power to do what you've called us to do, Lord God. Convict us, remove us, take us out of this state of comfort or to step into the calling. Lord, to step out of the darkness into the marvelous light, to step into what you've called us to be and to do. So, Father, bless each and every person here. Let them be led by your spirit. And we say that in Jesus' name. Amen. Fam, I will see y'all tomorrow. We'll be in prayer tomorrow. We'll spend a few moments in prayer. And um, I encourage you as well, join our Discord. I will post this, guys. But join our Discord community, discord.gg slash opusfrayer. And this episode will be available right away as well on Patreon. So I'll post it on Patreon um, for you all. But it will also be available in about a month or so. Yeah, in about a month or so on um on Spotify and Apple. So subscribe to the podcast. By the way, the podcast is charting globally, y'all. Is that not crazy? That's crazy to me. Um, I am so blown away by that. It is charting globally. That's just nuts to me. Thank you guys for all your support. Um, I was always, it was always crazy to me when I'd get like, you know, a couple, you know, downloads a day. And now it's, it's almost at a couple thousand downloads a day. That's, that's just crazy to me. But I'm encouraged by that. And this one will be available to you guys uh, maybe in a month or so. But I'd ask that you prayerfully consider becoming a patron. Patreon.com slash Isaac Frere. Patreon.com slash Isaac Frere. Um, you get the episodes right away. Like this is going to be available right away on Patreon. And also there's a free, uh, whatchamacallit, a trial, free trial, y'all. Try it out. If you want to catch this episode today, go and try it out, okay? But I love y'all. Fam, let's stop looking at the speck in our brother's eye. We got a big block of wood in ours. And let's pull that out first. All right? Love y'all, fam. God bless you guys. See you guys tomorrow.